Shine podcast. Relatable neuroscience. Relatable neuroscience and you know, also nuggets of neuroscience that people can take away from listening to our podcast that they can apply to their life every day just to make a little bit different, have a, you know, be a little bit happier, maybe a tiny bit healthier because as we know, it's those little steps that you do every day that make things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about uh, neuroplasticity. And that might be a, a daunting term, but it's, it's really not super complicated. So we'll, uh, Selena, why don't you break down what that means? So um, it's the term that we use for the ability of our brain to be changed forever mm-hmm. in the sense that we have these, the way the brain communicates, it has these little synapses inside the brain. And these are like the, like flower petals. <laughs> And they're communicating. And then if we don't use them every day, then they stop communicating. And then they start to wither away. So what we're talking about is the capacity of us to do things every day that drive change, that keep those things active and, and grow and change inside the brain to make it stronger, healthier and happier because I think we all deserve that. So neuroplasticity is just the scientific term, meaning your brain is plastic. You are not stuck with what you have. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Now, why this is so important is because, unfortunately, us bloody neuroscientists, uh, back in the day, we taught everyone the brain was fixed. And that's because of the research at the time was suggesting that. And we learned that through visual neuroscience because we could map all the pathways and we could actually show you where things went to from looking at something all the way back to your visual cortex. And so, like all scientists, sometimes we tend to then take that rule and apply it to everything. Mm. But I think it's become very clear probably in the last five to ten years, and especially through brain imaging technology, that that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And, and we could go on with a hundred examples of people that have really, really made massive change inside their brain. And I think the most relevant one right now would be David Goggins who's been doing it for a long period of time. For those who don't know, David Goggins uh, released uh, an incredible audio book, if you haven't listened to it, and and just a book, of course, but what they're doing with audio is is really impressive. Yeah, it's called Can't Hurt Me, Mm -hmm. and it's like an audio plus a podcast plus a show, all wrapped in one. Sounds familiar. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if um, for the people that have listened to our previous episodes... You might remember we likened um, the brain to, you know, like a football field, right? And the more you play on it, the more it gets torn up and the harder it is to change directions. And what neuroplasticity really means is that you can put new turf down. You you can plant new grass. If you're a hockey player, you can take the Zamboni out, right? There's always ways to change it and no one is stuck in... In your patterns nobody and I mean nobody because people come back and argue but what but what about this what about that and sure there's examples where people have extreme things happening where it makes it harder 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 to move out of those spaces you know extreme trauma or extreme addiction I can hear people saying how could that ever change mm-hmm. well I just say it's because we've never taught anyone about how the brain works mm-hmm. ever Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also, you know, a lot of the time there's, uh, you know, there's 
very difficult challenges and there's not as difficult challenges and if you just take it head on I mean what so what is what's something that you think you've changed in uh, that's maybe a, a smaller step that someone could take yeah so I mean I have changed absolutely everything about my life yeah but it really did start with the smallest little thing and for another episode, I'd really like to talk to you about depression because people would say to you that that's really difficult to come out of and, um, and I'd like to talk about that at, at, in depth. Yeah. But one thing I did that you can do right now is simply just push your shoulders back and take a really deep breath. Um, you're taking control of your body posture and it's really powerful. And that deep breath is getting oxygen into every cell of your body and starting to calm your nervous system down. And I think just the realization, one, that you are the boss of your brain. You are, as Wim Hof likes to call it, the alchemist of your own chemistry. <laughs> it's just powerful. Mm -hmm. And the day when the crystal ball went off, even though I'd been, it took me 25 years of studying the brain to, for it to really, really go off, was the day I recognized that I was letting the brain control me and that I can actually get in control of it. And it was by taking the baby steps of doing that little thing, taking control of your body posture. What are you thinking when you wake up? What are you doing when you wake up? Becoming aware that you're letting that thinking pattern take control mm -hmm. when you can actually take control of that thinking pattern, for example. So for someone who's like, Selena... <laughs> I'm not a neuroscientist. You know, I don't understand the brain as well as you do. I can't see these things so clearly. I mean, I'll, I'll speak to my own yeah. personal example. So uh, clearly, <laughs> I'm not a neuroscientist. And, uh, you know, I was going through, I went through college, went through, you know, high school, thinking I would do something fairly academic, whatever. People have been telling me, you're going to be a lawyer for your whole life. And actually my mom's listening she'll say you're going to be a judge and I'm not opposed to that but what ended up happening was studying for the LSAT after after college you know to appease her and for my own you know reasons and ultimately just just you know took the test it's like the middle of June it's really hot and like you're sweaty looking out the I remember this moment actually looking out the window and seeing two people just walking by like a really nice green bush while I was just there inside this, the dregs of a community college in Rhode Island. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? And finished the test, did, did everything you need to do and did fine. But the next day I took a plane to Cuba Havana and just spent you know a week and a half there exploring on my own and speaking Spanish as so well as I could. Why did you pick Cuba? Well, that was not a smashing mindset moment. That was just I'd been wanting to go to Cuba for a long time. There's a lot of history there, and it was very challenging. So, can I ask you what happened um, during that L set that drove you looking out the window? seeing those green bushes, mm -hmm. wishing that was you. Mm -hmm. Can you think of what it was? I mean, probably just years of enjoying being outside and not 
Was it, was it was there any thinking around, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life? Probably. But maybe I didn't think that aloud to myself, but it was, it was more so, I'm not a standardized test taker. That's just not, I don't have the patience for it and like to read what I want to read and what a human has told me to read rather than a block of paper. You know, so it was just very disenchanting. So you didn't feel like you were in your flow? No. In that moment? No, I love the concept of flow, which we should talk about that in our podcast. I was in the opposite of flow. Yeah. And then in that trip, I remember, so I really enjoyed doing photography. So I remember being in this gorgeous city that was like, it was half city, half jungle, really. And just had my camera and was just like walking through, there was like a waterfall next to me. And I like stood up on the ledge and took a picture of the waterfall. And it was the definition of flow. You know, I took, I snapped that picture and then realized you are like in a bliss moment right now. It was perfect. And then you kind of work yourself into like when you recognize flow, it's hard to stay into it. But I guess the whole take home for this thing is that you don't need to just sit in an office and work on mundane life affairs. You know, that something as simple as taking a picture out in nature can get you into flow and change and, and and flow is such a big word yeah but just positive like my friend has a company called positive prime mm-hmm. and she believes if you can prime your brain every day which is what we're talking about it's how you set your brain from the beginning and you said what's one thing i started to do it was just that but not with the camera but with my eyes mm-hmm. so what, I, what I got out story? of bed yeah. and i there was a waterfall near my apartment and I just want to let you know, I couldn't get out of bed for a while. Mm. So the first step I took, once I really got it and worked out how to rewire my brain, that I had to rewire my brain, there was no other solution mm-hmm. except for awful ones, I literally got out of bed and went and looked at a waterfall hmm. outside the apartment. That waterfall used to look grey, and it did for a long time. But I just started to use... I just literally used my eyes... To look at the water. Water is very powerful. Mm. And and this is just a small step. I'm not trying to say this is by any stretch a cure or anything. You just ask what are some simple steps that people could take right now mm-hmm. to start to the rewiring process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, and in that spirit too, I'm reading this book called, um, or it's by Keith Johnstone. He teaches acting classes, writing classes. He's very a very interesting individual and one of his like practices that he does is he tells you to just literally look around you can do it right now and like i'm looking we're in beautiful work wise uh space right now full of entrepreneurs full of entrepreneurs trying to smash their mindset yeah this place is exceptional there's like nature everywhere there's like bushes and it's real plants and everything tense tense But, and most people are out by all of these bases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone wants to be in the community. It's it's a really special place. But I'm looking at like a green paneling, right? And I you actually, you know, it's it's green, sure. But what is it really? So it's like made of paper mache, and there's like little ridges and bump. It's like slightly bumpy, not super smooth, like almost like sandpaper. And what you do is you just look around. And notice the textures of things, and you notice the wood grains, you notice all these things, and then you just 
start calling them different things. So like look at this table and say like cat out loud. Then look at the wall and or you can even think to yourself like desk chair. And what that's doing is training you to be aware of what you're looking at, not just seeing it. And then when you're I mean what how is that neuroplasticity? Oh because you you you're challenging the brain to think differently. Mm. And so because the brain, we talk about this a lot, likes to conserve energy, then it, we tend to just stay in the same pathways of thinking. Hmm. So what you're doing is, and the brain needs novelty to move forward, to get the change going, and that's where we get stuck, right? Because we like doing things the same way mm -hmm. because it saves energy and the brain kind of keeps us there. Mm -hmm. But it's just so counterintuitive because the brain actually needs you to do what you just described is to do something completely novel mm -hmm. so that's what you're doing you're just basically and the and you get a little hit of dopamine when you do that you know because and because it's challenging and the brain needs challenge and neuroplasticity is all about challenge really and mm -hmm. it, and so the and it's also about being comfortable with with being uncomfortable which we don't like we resist that at all elements of the as as much as we can um, Why is that? Because of basically the brain just wants to make you know that you're safe. Yeah. You're, you're good. Don't worry about today. You're not going to be eaten by dinosaurs today. Mm -hmm. You know, um, its main job, its primary job is just to keep you alive so you can keep reproducing, which sounds really horrible, but that's kind of what keeps us stuck in routine. Mm -hmm. Some routines are excellent, right? because um, that's how you get expert at something. You keep repeating it day after, which is neuroplasticity, right? You're getting better at something and better at something, mm -hmm. and that takes daily practice. But then if you end up like taking the same route to work every day, then eventually that becomes so routine mm -hmm. that your brain's not even thinking. So you don't even know how you get there, right? Right. So in, in my, my example is um, just like you, I was a pharmacist and my father was a pharmacist and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and my sister hadn't got ill at that point. And so uh, I really believed that I would do pharmacy similarly to appease my parents because my mother always said to me, pharmacy is an excellent job for a woman. Hmm. Um, and so then me being me, even while I did pharmacy and finished it, I then went on and did an MBA looking at why people buy cough and cold medications in a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. It was during that time that I thought, we need more pharmacies that women own. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to do that after I finished pharmacy yeah, yeah. so that we could do a cooperative, shared time, and so people could have kids and all of that and still get profit. Um, but then my sister got really ill. And then I, I sat in a pharmacy, I remember this moment, like literally doing prescriptions and I'm like I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and my sister got ill at the same time and so that's when I went back and actually did a PhD in neuropharmacology it was my step towards becoming a neuroscientist but that first day back in the lab in a lab a wet lab that I've never been in I didn't even know how to use pipette. <laughs> so pipette is the thing that you yeah, yeah. use all the time. And I, I was so crap at it, you know, but then after three years of, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things to mm -hmm. do my PhD, you learned. Yeah. That is totally neuroplasticity in action. Yeah. So, and one, one little just caveat that I want to throw in here is 
if you're a pharmacist or a, a lawyer or anything, you work in an office, that doesn't mean you need to quit your job or doesn't mean you need to go and make some crazy change. No, not at all. We're, we're just trying to give examples of neuroplasticity. You don't need to do that big a deal to drive neuroplasticity. It can be as simple as looking at a waterfall mm-hmm. and, and then doing that every day. So you're setting your brain in a good direction before you go to work. So that way you have better interactions with people at work, which then drives itself into a positive cycle itself, which yeah. means you actually like your job, Yeah. as an example. Yeah, and maybe get a promotion. Yeah, or, or... exactly. Why we're talking about this more entrepreneurial bent is because we just happen to be in this space today and we're surrounded by entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. are all stressed out trying to make these changes. Because when you make a change and you are in this neuroplasticity almost like flow state it is also stressful yeah. in a way which is kind of interesting but it's what i call you stress which is good stress and what's the, diff- the opposite the opposite said the opposite is really little tiny chronic little worry stress mm-hmm. where you're not taking control of anything and you're worrying about the stupidest little things like what people think about you or money or um deadlines or you know getting somewhere on time or the, or someone cutting you off in traffic mm-hmm. or, you know hundreds of these little things that all add up okay. so that's all we have about neuroplasticity for now uh, next episode principle three we'll talk more about this entrepreneurial spirit and how to respond not react yeah when you when you need some money when you need some money This episode is brought to you by WorkWise. Special thanks to Nabil and everyone working here. It's an excellent facility. We love working out of WorkWise. That's W-E-R-Q-W-I-S-E.com. We're in downtown San Francisco, and they're expanding across the world. So check it out.